This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we're going to talk turkey tonight here. We're going to talk turkey and sex. Sex is a bit like a secret society. Everybody's doing it. It's just that no one talks about it. Well, except me, of course, here every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening and happy Thanksgiving to you. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I'm also a researcher, blogger, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, and your body. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and I am unapologetic. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex is what you'll get from me. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and hopefully a little bit fun. So please stay with me, but do put the kidless to bed as listener discretion is advised. Also, for those of you, uh, I wanted to add one more thing to tonight's topic because I, I or tonight's show and probably every show henceforth, I want to mention uh, people who have been or have suffered sexual assault is a really tough subject for me, and but I cannot imagine how difficult it is for you. I would like to say that you're never far from my mind, especially during this show and during the week. I see many patients in my clinical practice who have, in fact, suffered sexual assault, and it has changed their lives. It has certainly changed their sex lives. Many are left with anxiety. Many are left in failed relationships. And uh, this is something we need to change. My heart goes out to you. I imagine there are many things in life that trigger those horrific tragedies that occurred to you and on many levels changed your lives. This is not the way life is supposed to be. And it is never, ever your fault. And we need to share that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight here on the show. But first, I'd like to say... Hello, and happy Thanksgiving to my sidekick here, Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Did you have a nice day today? Yeah, I mean, had to plow through the debate just now, but um, I'm glad that we're talking about something interesting. Oh, good, yes. <laughs> you, did, you found that a little dull, did you? Well, there was a lot of sex in the talk of the there debate. There certainly was, but you know, there was a lot of sex assault. That's actually, we're going to be talking a little bit about that um, and clarifying what those comments made by Donald Trump in 2005 actually were. Unfortunately, I've not had an opportunity to... Uh, see the debate, or I could only listen to part of it on my way here. Eh, don't worry about it. Uh, well, I'm going to go back. Of course, I've recorded it because I, I had to go to a funeral today, which is um, which oh, I'm was sorry to hear that. Tough. Well, thanks. Uh, smack in the middle of the day, but it was a beautiful ceremony, I have to say, and uh, uh, of a relative of uh, one of my biggest supporters in life. Uh, so he's, and in my career, so he has just been, uh, amazing to me. And, uh, so I, I, you, you hate when your friends are sad and, um, when, uh, things like that, they suffer loss or anything. So, um, nothing would have stopped me from supporting him and hopefully everybody out there has people that they love and, and we'll do that because when we give of ourselves in life, we always get a lot more back. So Matt, I thank you so much for your board opping for me and your technical expertise, because you know that I only have technical expertise in one area <laughs> and I have something to give out tonight. You know, one of my relatives who uh, I'm going to assume cares about me said, 
did you have to go in and do the show tonight? Couldn't you pre-record it? Is anyone even going to listen to try to? And I thought, well, uh, I think maybe there might be some listeners out there, and we'll see if they are, if there are. Of course, I have uh, a few prizes to give out and some tickets to give out tonight, so um, we shall see. I know that my relative said that because he loves me and not and for no other reason wanted me to stay with the party anyway. So, but I'll I'll be back after the show. Uh, so anyway, we did have the second presidential debate tonight. As you mentioned, Matt, I want to bring to your attention once again that the words out of Donald Trump's mouth, the admission, is actually criminal, illegal. It's actually sexual assault. It's, it's a rape culture attitude, and many men in the world have that, to be honest with you. So we need to get this straight. This is, yes, vile and lewd conversation, but it's beyond that. It's much more than that. And so we need to teach our boys and girls what rape culture is and what sexual assault is. We need to teach them well. This is not locker room talk. This is not appropriate locker room talk and I don't think that I I know there is something called locker room talk and and men tell me what locker room talk is and it's nothing uh, even close to what Mr. Trump said in uh, 2005 to grab women is assault especially to grab women in private areas and this is exactly what rape culture looks like so I don't need to repeat what he said and you all probably had enough of what has been said by Mr. Trump, because it has been regurgitated the world over because people are so shocked. But something that is at stake is the replacement of of a Supreme Court judge. And if the right judge is not appointed, we women may see the reverse of Roe v. Wade, which would be tragic. We may also see erosion of marriage rights, which is tragic for everybody. Uh, But this this person you may not know of, but you're going to know about her a little bit. The person I think who should run for president, and that's Kelly Oxford. Uh, We're going to talk about her and the 9.4 million tweets she received in 24 hours with respect to Donald Trump's conversation. So we're going to talk about her a little bit later on in the program. Lots of news this week that is related to sex, as you say, Matt, and not necessarily in a good way. Going to be talking uh, about the scandalous... Uh, issues within the RCMP and the tearful, in quotes, apology, tearful apology tweets really well, and it's great for national media. Too bad he wasn't crying three years ago. Bob Paulson is who I'm talking about when he claimed that the women were drinking and that the women asked for it when he was at some of the Senate hearings, but uh, taking him three years to shed a tear or two. I don't want to discount the apology because I think it is validating for many of those women and men, as it turns out, who have been sexually assaulted by RCMP. There have been hundreds of women involved in the class action lawsuit against the RCMP, but it was one woman's public story that deepened the claim after Catherine Galliford, the former RCMP spokesperson, came out. Mounty Krista Carl slammed the force when she went public, saying she was constantly sexually harassed by male colleagues during the 20 years she was on the force. Carl, a former RCMP constable, is speaking out tonight, and she's going to be joining us on the program. This incredibly brave woman paved the way for many women in the force to go public. We're going to talk about her post-traumatic stress disorder after being sexually harassed for 19 to 20 years. I look forward to talking to her. Uh, Also, 10 warning signs. We're talking about relationships here. 
Uh, no Sunday night sex show would be complete without a couple of stories from my clinical practice. And I do have a few doozies for you <laughs> tonight. And I test them out during the week. I kind of tell people and they're like, wow, are you kidding me? There's a couple married less than a year and they haven't had sex more than twice yet. That's Hearing true. your emails is probably my favorite part of the show. <laughs> oh, I've got some doozy email. I've got a, quite the email tonight. It's about heartbreak and hepatitis B. And so that's quite the lesson as well. Uh, you know, that one was around, uh, you know, what if you're not, uh, what if you're someone who's not into your spouse? Does that make you a rat? Well, one listener wants to know. And also about the hepatitis B. Uh, as I said, there's a new device out there for women's pleasure, and I do have one for you as well. Got lots of new products uh, on the market tonight with regard to um, women who may experience vaginal dryness or leakage of urine. That's a very common issue as well, leaking small amounts of urine. So I have some Vita Protection underwear, quite the sexy underwear for an absorbent, antibacterial, odor-free underwear. So I'm going to give some of those out tonight as well. We've we've seen some authentic people and some inauthentic people. And uh, so what are the 10 qualities of the most authentic people? Well, I'm going to share my ideas with you on that. Also, my new website is up. Uh, It's always been back to the bedroom, but it's been redone and revamped. And uh, you asked for it, guys, and you got it. You asked for a blog for men. And so my blog is for real men, that is, and it's called Straight Up. You can find it on my new and improved website that was designed by Fortezi. I want to give credit to Jack and Sam. Uh, who are great guys and uh, have worked with me, which is not easy to get this up because, uh, you know, I focused on the orange quite a bit, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Um, at Fifty Shades of Pink, my va- my vaginal health blog is still there, of course. I also have some Gynotroph to give out tonight, which is a hormone-free, over-the-counter, personal moisturizer for women who experience vaginal dryness that can occur any time in your life. But first, after the break, important information about depression and the birth control pill. Uh, but later on in the program, after 9, we'll be talking with Dr. Lori Brado and one of her uh, PhD students about BDSM and mindfulness and getting in the flow, and we want to do that. But if you have any questions about any subject tonight, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. So right after the break, we're going to talk about depression and the birth control pill and other forms of con- of contraception with Dr. Anjali Malhotra, a women's health specialist. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting the show tonight. I'm going to be talking right now with Dr. Anjali Malhotra, a women's health specialist at Olive Fertility Clinic here in Vancouver, about birth control and depression. If you've ever thought that your birth control might be messing with your mood, you might be right. We're going to discuss a new Danish study of more than a million women and teenage girls. Good evening, Dr. Malhotra. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, to date, the research on contraception and depression has been mixed, despite the fact that mood swings are a pretty well-known reason some women stop using birth control. So tell me about this latest uh, robust study. Absolutely. So there are good things and bad things about this study. A good thing, one, is that it was done. We always need more birth control research. Um, another good thing is the number of women. It, it is one of the larger studies that we can quote. Um, another good thing is that it does shed light on depression, something that particularly within women's health often is not um, highlighted in studies or in discussions. So that's all good. 
Now, the confusing things about the study are, one, that it's a registry trial. So within that, it's, it doesn't always show a causation. It can show a correlation, which is what it did show. But it doesn't statistically measure up to say that birth control definitively causes an outcome of depression. So ladies, please don't stop your birth control. Talk to your physician before doing that. Um, and it shows that it is the minority of women who are in the situation where there is a link. So there's good and bad parts. Now, do we think that there should be more light shed on this? Absolutely. Because a big piece of this trial shows that adolescents were one of the bigger groups to highlight. Now, the problems with going back to it being a registry are that we don't know exactly what the causation truly is in each case. So the patients are registered as having depression. They're registered as being on birth control. But they're not registered for things like domestic abuse, abusive young relationships, social aspects to their care. None of that's in the registry. And all of that could be a major factor in most of these cases as well. So those are things we have to pay attention in. One highlighting point is, you know, this is a vulnerable age group for any kind of abuse within any kind of circumstance. And that could also be a major factor to play within these results. So there's lots to think about with this trial. And I think it's important that it is on the discussion plate. But I think to say definitively that birth control is leading to this, and these are the reasons why we don't have that at this stage. We just need to look deeper into the issue. And so, and so this was a rather robust study, as you say, yeah, um, a yeah. million women between the ages of 15 and 34 out of the University mm-hmm. of Copenhagen. It was a nationally representative study sample. Uh, so what if uh, a patient was uh, 16 years old on the birth control pill and was feeling um, new onset associated with the birth control pill of depression or mood swings or, or feeling badly, what would you as a physician recommend? Absolutely. And what's important to highlight on this as well is that most people that are prescribers of birth control initially give a very short-term prescription of birth control. So for example, I give three months of birth control and say at any point within that period of time, please come back if there are problems. And the reason that I do that, and most people are in the habit of doing that, is because these kinds of things can happen. Hormones are hormones. They absolutely can impact you in many ways, bleeding problems, mood problems, all kinds of problems. And that period of time is when you weed it out. Now, is it that all birth controls are going to do that to all women? No. So sometimes we can say, well, maybe a different one is better for you. Maybe the dose isn't quite right. Maybe there's a different one that will work differently on you and different hormones, because there's a lot of options. Because one thing that we don't want to have happen is that our unplanned, unwanted pregnancy rates go on the up, which has happened in circumstances like this, where, you know, a, a correlation has been derived from something that we just don't know if it's a causation. And in a circumstance like this, it's really also very depressing to have an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy and far higher in morbidity. And so we want to be cautious of how we treat this this issue. Now, there was some association, as you said, with oral contraceptive pill, but how about the risk for other types of hormonal birth control, were those higher, like, for example, the progestin-only IUD or a vaginal ring or for those using a patch? How, did, how, do those, uh, how does how's that correlation with depression? 
Well, and it does fall under the same umbrella. What's interesting about the study is that to say that the ones that have the least amount of hormone were causing bigger problems then gets you into the statistical methods of the of the um, study. And that's where we see if you really take a fine-tooth comb to it, they don't actually show causation. So if you look at things like the confidence intervals, we get really statistical on you. Um, it doesn't actually show that correlation in that study. It does group it as one. And if you look at it in depth, you, you can't even weed them out that easily. Um, all birth control is going to impact women in very different ways. So even with someone who gets a non-hormonal birth control method in my practice, for example, I bring them back within six to eight weeks. I want to make sure that it's the right method for the right woman. And I take every patient case by case. And I think all women's health physicians do that. And I think all physicians should be doing that. And all, um, all practitioners that are in birth control should be doing that. Because you just never know. Especially life can change in that period of time, too. Absolutely. Yes, and a lot can go on in an adolescence yeah. world during that time as well. And yeah. How about progesterone and, and the synthetic version, progestin? Does that play a role in the development of depression? Because there's a lot of controversy at different times of women's lives around uh, these different hormones. Uh, it can go either way. We have birth control pills that are actually designed to reduce depression and PMS and PMDD, so very severe PMS. So things like drospirinone, where we know Yaz and Yasmin have got a really bad name, but they actually have an absolutely amazing progestin that in a small percentage of women improves things for them. In some people, just the fact of using any kind of birth control actually improves it. So it's, it's better and worse than some women. Again, you never know from one to the next and one woman to the next how a complete switch in their hormonal control is going to impact them or just by nature of using something is going to. And, and birth control is u- utilized for mood swings, especially yes. at different times in women's yes. lives, perimenopausal, for example, or mm-hmm. um, in exactly. the adolescent years. Yeah, like we have a tremendous history-taking event in all women, but one key point that you bring up is in perimenopause, where women still need birth control, but their hormones are all over the place. And in some cases, if you had PMS or postpartum depression or anything remotely along a mood disorder, you're at risk of it getting far worse in that period of time because there's so many fluctuations. And in that time, hormones are often the best thing that we can give you, and it actually fixes it. Because it stabilizes so, the hormones. Yeah, exactly. There's no fluctuation of the estrogen exactly. and progesterone as the peri- during the peri- perimenopausal years <laughs> or during adolescence as well. Um, uh, so the risks were a little bit higher uh, amongst the teenage girls, 80% mm-hmm. more likely to be, to be prescribed an antidepressant when they are on combined birth control pills? Yes, and, and that brings me back to the point that that's a very vulnerable group. That's a group that we really need to do far more research on because a big part of it is that they are actually going to their physicians or their healthcare providers at that period of time to get birth control. But what else should we be asking them at that visit? What else should we be driving from that? And that is the social aspect of what's going on in their life. Because that is a population that we know very well gets into very vulnerable situations in their relationships. Absolutely. And it's a good idea to uh, tease the depression out first to ensure that they don't have depression before putting them on the birth control bill. Dr. Anjali Malhotra, uh, what is the best way for uh, adolescents and women to get in touch with you? Unfortunately, we have to go to break now. But your information is so vital for women. 
Um, I have a self-referral contraception um, clinic for IUDs and um, any counseling that you need at Olive Fertility. So you can give us a call there. Olive Fertility, perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Mohotra. Great information as always, and we will have you back. Have a great day. Thanks so much. And I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on Newstalk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW on a day of Thanksgiving. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host. Uh, lots of tough subjects that are related to sex, and this particular subject incenses me because of the way it has played out. Lots in the news about it this week, and it's the story related to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yes, some of those men took that literally. There have been hundreds of women involved in the class action lawsuit against the RCMP, but it was one woman's public story that deepened the claim after Catherine Galliford, the former RCMP spokesperson. Mountie Krista Carl slammed the force when she went public, saying she was constantly sexually harassed by male colleagues during the 20 years she was on the force. Carl, a former RCMP constable, is speaking out tonight, and she joins me on the line. Hello, Krista. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Great. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. So this was quite the week for not only for the RCMP, but for all of the victims of sexual harassment, rape, assault, uh, bullying, exclusion, discrimination, all that is wretched in our society and all that is wretched within, under the red cloaks of the RCMP officers. They are finally going to be held accountable. And that's my question. How much accountability does this apology and $100 million that's set aside, paid for by taxpayers, as my understanding goes... How much accountability is that? Well, and that's just the thing. I mean, you know, even in 2013, the RCMP was, you know, still talking about this in the media. Uh, Commissioner Paulson appeared before um, uh, the Senate, I believe, and, uh, you know, said that some of these claims were outlandish. So, I mean, they could have dealt with this, you know, three years ago as well. It's um, been 42 years that women have been in the RCMP. It's been well, 42 years that this has been going on. Right. No, but just even with the class action, you know, even three years ago when this was shocked Canadians and came out in the media um, and the numbers kept increasing and, 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 and then another class action started in Ontario, um, you know, the RCMP, when they made this apology saying that it could potentially affect every single woman who's ever worked in the RCMP, I, I was done. I, I'm certain that, uh, that there's a very good chance of that. So... It, you said you wouldn't mind sharing your story. First, I have to ask you, how are you? Actually, how are you today after having experienced what you went through? Well, you know, I, I served 19 years. I took a medical discharge, but for the last five years, I've been actively involved in uh, getting this whole issue to really where we are today. Um, it, it's like being on the Titanic and people are desperately calling you and Facebooking you and saying, help me, I'm thinking I don't know what to do. And you know uh, a lot of people are not going to make it. It was it, it was also two years ago on the day that the RCMP made their press conference that uh, Ron Francis had committed suicide, and that never hit the media. And he was one of the guys that was harassed. You know, so it's, um, 
because men have been harassed uh, in the RCMP mm-hmm. as well. There's a whole group of them as well. So when we talk about being on the dime, you know, as a Canadian taxpayer, you know what? I'm still paying taxes too. So are all these women that are involved in the class action. And, um, you know, money isn't going to solve the problem. It's going to be a cultural purging. And and I think we're seeing that, you know, even the last week, a couple members have kind of silently resigned, you know, and not facing disciplinary action within the force. You know, and there's whole issues the way those things are investigated. And if they time out within a year, then the investigation's over. So in some of these cases, are now are they going to criminal court? Are the are the harassers and the people responsible? Are they going to be held accountable? Because that's what the taxpayers should be asking. Absolutely, I am incensed at this as a Canadian because we're allowing uh, the people who are supposed to protect and serve. Uh, who've harmed women, harmed harmed so many women and men in so many ways. And I understand that. I've actually been the target of workplace bullying and sexual harassment myself uh, for a private company. And uh, it was eight weeks only. And eight weeks sent knocked me off my game, into bed, heart palpitations, hair loss, nausea, vomiting, anxiety. It was the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life. And the reason that I do the work around raising male violence against women is because I'd made a bargain with the powers up above that if I were provided a particular opportunity, I would use my voice to raise awareness about this malignancy in our society. So I am incensed that those perpetrators are still working, collecting pensions, getting paid, maybe off, uh, they're on leave, but they're getting paid as well. And the women are getting 40000 on average to $220,000 on average. I heard a former constable or former RCMP say, well, you know, these numbers have to be worked out. Like, so a woman was slapped on her bottom. Like, is that worth $40,000? And I thought, how vulgar is that? How lewd is that? How disgusting is that? I mean, is that what we've got this down to? And But I also, by the same token, think this is a great time for women. Finally, these issues are coming out. Finally, women are sharing their stories. I, I knew of one person at the age of 25 the first time I'd ever heard of sexual abuse. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I literally, she thought she was alone and I thought she was alone. I'm going to share a little bit later on in the program just how alone women are, that that women are actually not alone in this. But I want to go to break, Krista, if you'll hang on the line with me because I want to talk to you more about some of the incidents that occurred and how that made you feel and how ill you became and what this does to women and to men who are abused in the workplace, sexually harassed, raped, and uh, bullied. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Mountie Krista Carl, formerly of the RCMP, uh, who had a medical discharge, is joining me on the line. Krista, hello. Hi there. Thanks so much for staying on the line. Um, this, What happened to all these women is just horrible. So tell me, if you don't mind sharing some of the things that occurred to you and what the result was. Right, and... I just also want to get back to one point that you made. Um, if this is happening in the National Police Force of Canada and it's going unpunished and unaddressed, yes, they've addressed it now. But how can we tote across the world in UN peacekeeping missions and stuff like that to other countries that have abuse going on in their countries and judge them when we're not cleaning house in our own country? I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. 
It's hypocrisy so, on steroids. Well, it's just you know, it, you know we have a we have a very vibrant, uh, you know, well respected uh, prime minister, and and I haven't heard him say anything on this on this whole issue since it's, mm-hmm. since it's uh, come out. Anyway, so for me um, personally, um, at one point. I, I when I was actively working, I weighed 128 pounds. I got down to 100 pounds because I had literally stopped eating because I had no will to live anymore. Um, I had to go see a psychiatrist. I was put on insure, like carry it with you and drink it. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. get some weight back on. And I, um, I, I had, uh, uh, you know, so many health concerns, and I just. I, I literally fell apart. It broke my family apart. I lost my two children, my husband, my home. Um, it uh, it just devastated me. And what were some of the things that happened in the force that some of the perpetrators did to you that led you your life to go into such a downward spiral? Well, when I was uh, first in the force, um, I received pornography in my desk on two separate occasions in two different offices. And when it was kind of, it was kind of a straw that, that really pushed me over the edge because I thought, am I going to be assaulted at work? Like here, I've got a gun on me, but I don't feel safe. And uh, so I took a transfer to another detachment. Um, I, uh, when this, when the incident involving Robert Blundell became um, being investigated, um, it, it took such a toll on me and my family, I, I couldn't go back to work. Um, so I ended up taking a leave without pay for four years. And uh, once we settled that case and I came back to work, um, so much damage, I think, had been done. And going through that lawsuit, that was just terrible. You know, and, and this speaks to what happens to victims. They, you know, if they do get a um, the crown approving a charge or if they, you know, do contact a lawyer, often... You know, they've gone through so much psychological harm that by the by the time they get to that point and they go through the court process, they're re-victimized over and over and over again. And it's just such a cycle that needs to be broken. Absolutely. And this was settled, uh, this case, something a point that I wanted to make. Settling silences women. Uh, and yet it's very popular. It's wildly popular. In fact, um, my case was settled where with my harasser. And I didn't realize what that meant. Uh, that meant I could never talk about it, that uh, there was no, um, you know, ramifications for him. Um, and my lawyers actually were kind of in the, with all due respect, and they were fantastic, I have to say, and they almost bear the, uh, the burden of the emotion for you if you have a good lawyer. And, uh, but they said, you know, if you don't settle, we can sue you, you know, because we don't feel you're taking our good advice. I really didn't want to settle. I'm a bit of a rebel rouser and I wanted to be on the steps of the courthouse and I wanted everybody to know that this is what happened. And, uh, um, and so I don't, I, I learned from that, that settling, I would have rather persevered, um, but, uh, this is a settlement. So women are not going to be re-victimized, but it also silences the women. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and when they talk about, uh, this is another point that I want to bring up, when they talk about, you know, potentially that this could affect women that have never made a claim, that have perhaps left or retired or, 
whatnot from the RCMP, whether they're a uh, regular member, a municipal employee, or a federal employee, because those are three different levels. And even though they have unions and stuff, often they are not protected. And um, so it's going to take years. Well, I don't know. I, I would assume the, the justice, um, the Supreme Court justice will have a whole team to help him, but to, to make sure that all those people are supported and addressed and that they have a voice because it's really about having your voice. Absolutely. And some of the things that occurred to some of the women were horrific. And there was one story I read where there was a um, an officer who uh, told, called a, women, a woman and told her she would have to come out to Calgary. And you're perhaps familiar with this particular case. She would have to come out to Calgary. There would be an undercover operation. It would involve drinking and smoking pot. And they would be looking, uh, you know, at the criminals and be trying to infiltrate that group. And the woman came out, and he'd, he'd said he'd gotten approval for this. And the woman came out, and they did the operation. And then they went back to the hotel room, and he said, oh, by the way, there's only one hotel room in this. We're going to have to stay together. And she thought, well, we're going to have to sleep. So she slept on top of the sheets with the just the bed, uh, just the bed spread. I, over her. I Sorry to interrupt you, but I know that case because that was part of the lawsuit that I was involved with in 2000 to 2004 when it was settled. Right. So what he did to her, he basically raped her in the middle of the night uh, during her sleep. And, and as it turned out, that operation was never approved. There was never, it was actually fake. Yeah. It never even should have occurred. And these are some of the things that happen to women. Women don't understand, like, I wrote everything down that happened to me. And if I were to tell you today what happened to me, I could not remember it all. But I can always go back to my journal and I can read out. And that's why documentation is so key. But these are, that's, those, those are the things that commonly occurred. Women were, women were raped. Women were sexually assaulted, bullied. Uh-huh. I'll share something with you, and, you know, hopefully people still are on the whole thing that I'm a taxpayer. That member that was, that was, uh, that pled guilty to a watered-down version of those events is the highest-paid member in D.C. in the police force. He's still a member um, with all the overtime and stuff that he gets. So he's still working. He's still collecting a paycheck and a very healthy one at 25-plus uh, years service. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a horrific thing. I think we've only begin begun to crack. You know, the clover leaf has only begun to crack the tar in the highway, and I think a lot of change uh, has to occur within the RCMP and many other organizations across uh, Canada and and the world, basically, because this malignancy is common. Women keep it secret. Men keep it secret. People are ashamed. Um, but we have to get this out. We really have to change this and, and stop and this. What a, what a better example for Canada nationally than to say, yes, we recognize that these problems exist in our country. We're doing this, this, and this to help address and rectify the situation. Um, you know, they can show, they can lead as an example to other countries. Because this is going on worldwide, right? Absolutely. Degrees and, and whatnot, but... But that's the kind of—I mean—that's that, what Canadians are about. That's what Canada is. Exactly. And when you, my my daughter's in in Paris right now, and and I said, make sure you have a Canadian flag on your back because uh, people love Canadians. That's right. Help uh, each other. Absolutely. Krista, thank you so much. We do. It's a great country, and but we have a lot, long way to go to improve it and make it the best it can be for women and uh, those people who serve and protect us. Krista Carl, thank you so much for joining me tonight on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath, and that is the first hour wrapped of sex. And uh, we have lots coming up in the second hour, including some little Thanksgiving gifts for you. I have some some sexy underwear, if you, uh, especially if you have some little letter, light bladder leakage when you sneeze or cough. I also have some gynotroph for anyone out there who dares to say they have vaginal atrophy or vaginal dryness. You don't even have to, you actually don't have to speak to me if you want that gynotroph, okay? <laughs> you can just have a little conversation with Matt. And also I have an emoji baiter. I uh, will tell you about that. Matt's very interested in that. I'll have to do a little show and tell here on the station. Maybe I'll we'll take a photograph of that and tweet it out. I'll come check it out during the news break. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's in the package. I want you to know it's sterile. Uh, but coming up in the second half of the program, Dr. Lori Brado joins me. We're going to be talking about BDSM and flow. So I hope you will stay for with me for that. Other subjects coming up as well. Uh, We're going to be talking about authentic people and how about what happens when you're not into your spouse after having been married to them for a while and you get attracted to somebody else, but they have a problem and then you're worried about it. It's all mixed up, but I'm going to clarify all of that for you. That's a great email that I've had. And also, how about that couple that uh, appear extremely sexual, very good looking to the naked eye, and uh, they seem to have it all, everything but sex, yes? I see patients like that in my clinical practice. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that as well. And um, what if he's not that into you? How do you know? Does it have anything to do with what he might order for breakfast? Well, you have to stay with me and find out, you know. Uh, that's going to be a hard one. You want them to be into you and you're not really sure, but there are some definitely some signs. I want to mention that I have a new website, backtothebedroom.ca. I have a couple of blogs on there. Fifty Shades of Pink, I've moved on over to Straight Up uh, for men, and soon I will be having one for the LGBTQI community. Um, one thing at a time, you know. I'm uh, I'm the quintessential multitasker. I want to mention to you about an event that I have coming up called the Vancouver Women's Conference. It's at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel on November 12th. You will want to be there. Believe me, I haven't let every cat out of the bag yet, but uh, <laughs> once I do, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be informative. It's a time for women. We're going to be talking about how, why, and how women need to support other women, and whether it be in the workplace, in the neighborhoods. Um, on the street. However, we're going to be, uh, we need to take advantage of this time when things are changing for women and we need to be strong. And so there's going to be lots of health information for uh, women there. Men are invited as well. Uh, all, all sorts of conversation, dialogue about mentorship and workplace and how to advance in the workplace, finance, real estate, sex, of course. And so get your tickets on uh, VancouverWomensConference.com. You can go to my website as well. I'll have a couple of tickets to give out in the second hour of the program. So do stay with me. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.